This show is brought to you in part by the Iron Range Resources and Rehabilitation. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzler. We have a great guest on tonight. Mr. Dan Israel has just released his 14th album called You Are Free. We talk about his life in music starting in the early 90s in Chicago. Then he moved down to Austin, Texas, where I met him in 1993. Over the years, he's played with everybody from Morrissey, Loud Wainwright, Todd Snyder, The Tragically Hip, Peter Himmelman, and more. He's a great guy. He's a lifer in the biz. He's a single dad raising a lovely daughter and a lovely son. And he is back on the scene after he quit his day job after 21 years. We talk about life and music, being a single dad, the Iron Range, where his mother is from, his records, his music. We're going to hear his music and have a great conversation. And with no further ado, my guest and old buddy, Dan Israel. Dan, thanks for being here tonight. Hey, Paul. Good to see you. You look great, man. Thank I know you've you, been you busy. Too. I've been I've been real busy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got a new record out called You Are Free. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess part of it is because you had a day job working at the state capitol for how long? 21 years. Wow. 21 years for the reviser of statutes. <laughs> and what the I, hell is that? A, I revised a hell of a lot of statutes. I mean, helped to revise them. Proofread, you know, just a lot of words over the years. Wow. Uh, it was a nonpartisan office, so it gagged me a little as far as politics goes, right. too. Uh, although I kind of... But now? But now... You are free. I'm free. Exactly. <laughs> and, and most of the time yeah. you were doing it as a single dad raising two kids. Yeah. Plus playing music. Yeah, at least I've removed the day job from that that, that crazy equation, you know. And I, and what I've been noticing lately is like I keep asking myself, how did I do all this and do the job? Right. Because I feel like I'm busy right now. Not like I was, but right. yeah. I mean, you know how music is just a full time job, no matter. I mean, it just is because. Right. Uh, booking and promoting and recording and the writing. Pr- promoting and, now just yeah. on social media is a full-time job. It is a full-time job. And every time somebody tells you there's a new thing you got to do, it's you just want to tear your hair right. out. Right. You know? Right. Like somebody just gave me a hard time a couple months ago in a good way, a constructive way, about not being on Instagram. Right. I was going to say and Instagram. That's the and new. And I, I was like, mm, I was like, I said, the I'm, new not doing it. Yeah. I'm not doing it. A week later. There I am on Instagram. <laughs> and everyone's on it. I was like, oh, I guess you're all here. Right. But I didn't want to come to that party, but I, I invited myself after all. So You know, it's interesting, though. I remember a couple of years ago, there was a uh, musician complaining on Facebook about mm-hmm. the same thing we're talking mm-hmm. about. And there's reasons to complain about it. And, Lots, uh, yeah. and I said, you know, I bumped into him somewhere. And I said, hey, man, I said, you don't remember... Uh, he was from down south somewhere. Mm-hmm. He moved up to Minneapolis. I mm-hmm. said, back when I was getting started uh, with Cats Under the Stars in the early 80s, mm-hmm. we'd get a couple hundred posters the middle of February. Oh. One guy would take Dinky Town. One yep. guy would take the West Bank. All street one guy, work. Yep. One All guy would take Uptown. Freezing. Yeah. Putting up, I remember putting up a poster by the 400 bar one night and I got frostbite. Yeah. You know? And then the posters would fall down, the wind would oh, blow them across the street. The worst. How about all the mailing you had to do with postcards? Didn't yeah. you? Did you still oh, yeah. send out postcards? Here's one I got for you, too. <laughs> and this, I actually wanted to talk to you about this, whether we were on the air or not. But I was thinking how, how much time you know, we spend now on email booking, right? right? How much time, though, what did we used to do? We used to have to make phone calls, right? That was particularly right. egregious. Right. I mean, calling about booking to actually have to get rejected right over the phone. Oh, exactly. You know, now they just ignore your emails right. or your texts right. or your messages. But back then, you know, you literally got told, uh, you're not what we're, you know, I can't book you or, you know, you actually got rejections. And I don't right. think, I think part of the problem right now is people don't know how to, they're losing their ability to talk on the phone and give rejections. Right. So that they just, they ghost you on everything. Right. You know how you mean. Well, and then, you know, I think that's a good point, uh, Dan, to talk about, especially for any of the non-musicians out there, that you put out, what, this is your 14th or 15th record? 14th, yeah. Right. Yeah. So besides being rejected by club owners, festival promoters, hostile audiences. Everyone. You know, (laughs) I mean, uh, band members, (laughs) you know, then occasionally you get a bad review. Oh, you sure do. 
I just did this thing. I'll tell you, see, I don't know. I won't use the name of it, but there is a service that purports to send your music around to blogs. Right. And you pay. Right. Okay. So I just. Well, you always got to pay somebody. Yeah. So I, I spent the very little money on it. So I don't feel like that big of a fool. I right. spent, you know, nominal, nominal, nominal amount of money the other day. And it, it sent the, my new, the title track to my new album. It went around to some blogs and they all got rejected. Like, I was like, and, the, but worse yet, the feedback was so ignorant. Right. And so pointless. Right. Like one guy, one guy said, this sounds like the Lemonheads. Okay. Right. Okay, which song? I mean, right. that's all you got? Right. Like, I think it just... You maybe can do better does, than that. You can do better, you know? <laughs> and then you can rate their feedback, and right. I, I gave them, like, one star. Because, you know, you're going to crap on me. I'm, right. You know? I mean, some of them were nice, and I hate to be so defensive, and I know that they're getting bombarded. I understand there's right. always both sides. Right. We've been on both sides. We've right. booked people. We've had to turn... You know, we've had to avoid people or whatever... I don't know. I, I'm sure it's happened. But the thing, you know, I don't know. It's all just crazy right now. Well, what, I remember, you know? I think, where I learned to kind of just temper uh, any bad reviews I've gotten over the years, and I've gotten more than my share. Mm -hmm. Years ago... Locally? The, huh? Locally? Oh, yeah, there was a few. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, you don't have to name names, but no, I No, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Do you remember a guy named Mark Gaddis? He was older than us. I remember the name. Yeah, but mm -hmm. he was one of the folkies in the uh, mid to late 70s, early 80s. Mm -hmm. Back when some of these guys were re actually releasing when you could find a place to press albums, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which was unique in, in, you know, uh, in the 70s mm -hmm. uh, to, on independent, independently. And anyway, so he puts out this record. Mm -hmm. I forget what it was called. And then re-releases it about a year and a half or two years later. Same record with different artwork, right? So uh, you're giving me an idea here. <laughs> so the uh, reviewer, I believe it might have been Sweet Potato, which mm -hmm. was the precursor to City Pages. It mm -hmm. might have been City Pages. And this is this was my glimpse into the mm -hmm. music critic's mind. The re reviewer said, um, it, it, "It's not a bad work, but for sure." It's a marked improvement over his last record. <laughs> he it did. was the same damn well, record. Well, see, now, now, part of me, the mischievous side of me, wants to pull this trick right. to see if that happens. Right. Because, right. you know, when I say I don't think people are listening to it, right. I mean it. Right. And you know it to be true, right? Right. That, that the odds of people actually, and now, of course, with the way it's set up now where you can, like, track how many plays something right. got on SoundCloud or Bandcamp, you literally know if they listened to part of it or right. all of it. Right. And you, you see these partial listens, and you're just like, really? Like, right. You, a two-and-a-half-minute song, and you just couldn't get all the way through Right, it, huh? right. Well, you know, the other great, um, one of my heroes in the Twin Cities music scene is Steve Tibbetts. Mm -hmm. Brilliant guy. He went to McAllister, mm -hmm. way ahead of the curve. I think he graduated Would, in like 77. Remind or, me, who, I mean, I know his name too. Steve but Tibbetts I totally ended up on ECM Records. Okay. He was a guitarist. A he was kind of like John McLaughlin, mm. but uh, very ethereal stuff. Where is he now? A lot of now? percussion. He still lives in Minneapolis okay. somewhere. I don't see him much. Doesn't play much. Um, doesn't play out much, but mm -hmm. he does, all his projects are very esoteric, very cool. Mm -hmm. Like, he'll go into, mm -hmm. you know, the mountains. So, a little Leo Kotke-ish, but more avant-garde. No, more electric, no. really. Okay, okay. But anyway, okay. Um, he's been a good buddy of mine over the years. But, when, so he, the, the, the brilliant thing about what he did was he talked McAllister College mm -hmm. into go, hey, rather than me doing, a, a, you know, my graduate thesis, let right. me record a record in your 8-track studio. So, I mean, yeah, he's got it all covered, yeah. right? So the record comes out. I think it was called You're a YR. So then he would send his records out uh, to try to get a major label deal. Sure. Every time he got a rejection letter, he uh -huh. put it in the packages and sent it out to the next company. He took the, he put the letter for the other one? The rejection record, yeah. So Did it work? By the time he had gotten 35 rejection letters. Did he, wait, did he include each, each all letter, the previous ones? Every letter. He just put it in the next mail. I'm Stack fascinated. them up. Yeah. So he put them out. Uh -huh. 
by the time he got 35 rejection letters uh -huh. in the package with yeah. his record year Senate, he got a deal with ECM Records with Manfred Eicher out of Europe. Brilliant. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm astounded, envious. <laughs> I, like, and bowed this down. This kind of stunt, the, this idea of doing a stunt of some type does appeal to me, yeah. you know. All of the sky can be yours. You got to hear in the best indoors. After you try to show tonight on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. We'll be back after these messages. The two gingers just can't get enough of Paul Metza. He's smooth, yet strong. A great mixer and very refreshing. The two gingers are his biggest fans. They're at practically every bar, club and restaurant in Minnesota to see his shows. And now they've taken to following Paul around the country. Texas, New York, Nebraska, you never know where you may find the two gingers. Just ask the bartender for them. Two gingers whiskey. What could happen? As a family-owned business, Standard Heating and Air Conditioning has been serving the Twin Cities since 1930. A new furnace or air conditioner from Standard Heating and Air can lower your monthly utility bills, administer more consistent temperatures, and even improve indoor air quality, making your home safer and healthier for the whole family. The average heating and cooling system lasts 15 to 20 years. So if yours is on its last legs, call Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Learn more at standardheatingdeals.com. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, the comfort you deserve. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, president of Minnesota Hospice, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on AM 950 on Saturdays from noon to 1. Our team from Minnesota Hospice will be continuing our series titled Lifting the Veil, Revealing the Spiritual Truths About Dying and Death, where we share insights on the spiritual aspects of this profound experience. Please join us Saturday from noon to 1 for the new Minnesota Hospice show and learn more about us online at minnesotahospice.com. Kevin Ross here, inviting you to our brand new store called Ambibulous. What does Ambibulous mean? It means one who enjoys alcoholic beverages of all sorts. Ambibulous is a Minnesota maker's market. Unlike traditional liquor stores, we feature only craft beer, wine, and spirits made here in Minnesota. We are ready to guide your selections, where you can build your own four or six packs. Find us at 949 Hennepin Avenue East in Northeast Minneapolis or online at ambibulousmn.com. Victor's 1959 Cafe in South Minneapolis is a locally owned and operated restaurant offering traditional Cuban food. Open for breakfast and lunch daily with dinner Tuesday through Saturday. For night shift workers, Victor's even has both a morning and evening happy hour. And Victor's now accepts dinner reservations too. Stop in and try some delicious authentic Cuban cuisine like ropa vieja and seafood paella. Make your reservation and learn more at victors1959cafe.com. Victor's 1959 Cafe, revolutionary Cuban cooking. 
Someone asked if I really do love my Rudy Luther Toyota Sienna as much as I say I do. Well, this week I've got groceries, a target run, seven sports practices with carpooling for four of them, two games, three music lessons, 4-H, dance, helping a friend move. We'll also probably have three play dates. I'll have to drive to work and I'll have at least one weekend family outing. Yes, it's a lot, but I get to do it all in relaxing comfort and style. Yes, I do love my Sienna and you can fall in love for yourself at Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169. with mischievous Mr. Israel. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually, I'm a little bit too much of a wuss to do like, I'll just give you an example of a stunt that maybe went a little awry. Right. I did an April Fool's joke one year. Uh, back before social media, but we were on email, I said that I got signed to J Records by Clive Davis, and it was all a joke about that Santana album. Right. Like I said, Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20 and all this stuff. Right. Well, it, it, I thought it was so preposterous that no one would ever think it was real. Right. Boy, was I wrong. And the phone started, we had a common phone at my job at the legislature. Right. So this is, in those days, it just started ringing all morning for me. People were calling to congratulate me at work. And I had to sit there and tell them all that it was a joke. And many people were not pleased. Because, <laughs> you know, they, in, in all sincerity, they, they were so happy for me. You know, and then, and then and, you're calling out of the, an office at the state capitol. So when your boss walks by, you have oh, to pretend like you're oh, on it, official business. It didn't look good. <laughs> It didn't look good. And and th there were people who were genuinely sore at me for a while about it. So that, that's probably the last April Fool's joke I ever played. You know what's funny, though? Lifers like yourself, myself, Steve Tibbetts, mm -hmm. you just develop. It may, it gives you a greater sense of humor. Yep. And it's, yep. your sense of humor is your armor, mm -hmm. right? Oh, absolutely. Like Brown McGee used to say, he said, my guitar is my weapon against the world. How do you, how do you possibly survive in this business as long as people like yourself and without some kind of thick skin or some kind of defense to all this rejection and all this humiliation right. and, and ego back, you know, your ego takes a beating, then it gets like a temporary boost right. for a few minutes and you're like, I've arrived. And then five minutes later, or, you know, uh, not literally five minutes, figuratively five minutes later, you're you, nobody, you, you know, nobody takes your calls. So, right. You know. Well, Steve Tibbetts told me his favorite review, bad review was, a uh, real short one, it said, I'd rather listen to a refrigerator hum than listen to this record. We were talking on the break about technology, and mm -hmm. now everybody with a little home studio are actually on a their phone, phone right? can mm -hmm. record a record. Yes. And so, and send it out to get reviewed. Yes. So, and we all want to encourage people to explore their creative side, right? Yes, we do. Right. We we don't well, as a dad, you, you do that with your exactly. kids, right? Nurture, you know, be supportive, even if sometimes the fledgling steps are difficult to, you know, endure. Right. The beauty of the old school A&R guys, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it's Matt Erdogan or, uh, the, you know, the Chess Brothers or John Hammond. Lenny Waronker. Yeah, Lenny yeah. Waronker. Yeah. Where they were kind of the ears to let you into the kingdom. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. The gatekeepers mm -hmm. and the ears to hear if you were good enough to get into the kingdom. But they had good ears a lot of the time. Right. Right. Do you, do you trust Pitchfork to be the gatekeeper? I mean, I'm just saying. Well, you know. and two, the yeah. thing about 
uh, having an eight talent that you've worked on so you can sing in tune and play in tune to, 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 mm-hmm. to the degree that mm-hmm. folk singers like you and I can do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I just saw something the other day. There was a joke floating around about the engineer, the Pro Tools engineer that said to the band, he said, said to the band after they cut a track, he said, you guys sound terrible, come on in. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll fix it in the mix, as they say. That, that appro- yeah, I have some issues with, with that whole approach, for sure. Uh, the idea that a live performance of the song properly isn't even really necessary anymore to, right. to be able to create that something in the studio. But it's just, it's just part and parcel of all the larger weirdness that we're encountering with technology. And and I don't know if you watch Black Mirror or if you've seen that, but it's just a sort of a dystopian view of all these devices that we're you know, so addicted to now, right. myself included. But uh, the ability, the, the, I mean... There was a there's a wonderful democratization that occurred with recording equipment coming down in price and scope, you know, because of digi- digital and the ability to do all these things with microchips and, you know, th- there's a great aspect of it all, okay? But it also means that everybody and his brother and sister now makes records, puts them out there, and we're, I, I mean... I don't, I'm not trying to argue that I'm, you or I are are entitled to some greater consideration. Right. Except I am trying to argue that. Right. Because we've- Kids get off my lawn. It's a freaking hobby. (laughs) Yeah. For people. Right. And and that's great. And and I don't want to, everybody has a right to release. Of course they have the right Right. to. But should they? (laughs) No, I I don't know. I just, it's, when you hear the the critics and the and people who run blogs and all these things complain about the deluge of stuff they get, right? I think they're telling the truth. Yeah, they're telling the truth that it's it's impossible to wade through how much is out there now. The internet has just, you know, for a long time, I'm sure you and I heard all the wonderful things the internet was going to do for right. music and for our careers and how it'd be so easy to just put things out there to the whole world. Aha. But they have to find it. Right. And who controls that? Right. Google, Facebook. Right. All these titans, Amazon, you know. Right. These huge, mega, monopolistic type corporations are now controlling the internet, whether we like it or not. And because we're all entwined with social media and our phones, we are whatever, and we've given up pretty much all of our privacy to those, the the, uh, uh, institutions you just named. And at the end of the day, what really um, bothers me mm-hmm. is that Dick Cheney is sitting in his basement in Montana monitoring our every move. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I, I, The political implications of what we're giving up to be part of this new mm-hmm. modern technological empire. Well, did, did I mean, it, it's just, there's the question. Did this whole technological revolution democratize our society more or right. did it actually create more oligarchies right you know uh, uh, do we have uh, just an elite now that sits in control of almost everything that we do right that's a good point and and, and i mean i think we big brothers even it's, bigger it's not i don't know if the internet's over but it's right. it's certainly wobbling quite a bit in terms of Especially with these latest Facebook revelations and all this stuff right. with Cambridge Analytica and everything. It, right. it seems like the fix is in. At the end of my rope, I'm alive with the hope of a new day. Beyond the confusion, success, illusion, a new way. I had my head held down so long, I didn't know that the sun still shines. Somehow I'm feeling now I'm gonna make this life mine Are you trying to live stream on Facebook, on YouTube, tired of no one watching your videos? Well, whether you're a beginner or a veteran, you can have better results. Hi, it's Mike McEntee with The Uptake. We're famous for our live streaming of thousands of events that are watched by millions. I want to help you live stream video like a pro for your cause, your group, or your company. I'm teaching a class on June 9th where you'll learn how to use your phone or professional camera to deliver the best live experience for your audience. I'll teach you how to attract an audience and how to keep reaching that audience when you're no longer live. 
find out what platform works best for what you're trying to do. Sign up now at theuptake.org slash classes. Space is limited. Go to theuptake.org slash classes to sign up for this June 9th class. There's a $70 charge, but there's a discount for students and low-income people. That's theuptake.org slash classes to learn how to live stream like a pro. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shambot from Shambot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. We always offer a free exam and x-rays for new patients because we believe you shouldn't have to pay to find out what's wrong with your teeth. Call today. We're open early and late and Saturdays to fit your schedule. As my daughter Rachel says, If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. Do yourself a favor and check out the amazing cuisine of eatlocalminnesota.com. More than just a website, eatlocalminnesota.com provides you with the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities. The award-winning Hazel's Northeast combines the feel of a small-town diner with the vibrant nature of its Northeast Minneapolis neighborhood. Whether it's breakfast, lunch, weekend brunch, or dinner, their classically inspired and creatively prepared American comfort food is always made from scratch. Hazel's Northeast at 29th and Johnson in Northeast Minneapolis. EatLocalMinnesota.com the dedicated staff at Nightingale Restaurant take pride in presenting a thoughtful and delicious approach to food and drink, whether you're visiting for dinner, happy hour, or brunch. Their focus on made-from-scratch meals using sustainable and local ingredients is likely to make Nightingale your go-to spot for inspired food and drinks. Nightingale, Lindell and 26th in Minneapolis. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. With your AM950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Tonight will be mostly cloudy with a low around 48. Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 70. Sunday night, partly cloudy with a low around 49. Monday is a 20% chance of showers before 1 p.m. with a high of 70 and a low around 53. Keep your life and your bike moving in the Comus Cycle, working harder to make you go faster. Now celebrating their 23rd year in business, check out Nokomis Cycle, located at the corner of 46th and Bloomington Avenue South in Minneapolis or at NokomisCycle.com. Thank you. 
Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. We just heard back to you by my guest in the studio for the whole show tonight, Mr. Dan Israel. That song was off his latest record, his 14th album called You Are Free. When did your first record come out? So I, well, I grew up here in, in St. Louis Park and had some bands in high school. And then I, I went off to college at Northwestern in Chicago as a film student. And then I started doing demo tapes in Chicago. So, you know, I'm sure you had tapes, right? Oh, yeah. Before you had CDs. And so I had a couple tapes with One Town Horse was the first. That was in, in Chicago. And we, we had some shows in Chicago in the clubs and stuff, too. We opened for Reverend Horton Heat at the oh, yeah. Lounge Jacks, owned by Jeff Tweedy's wife. I mean, I don't think they were married back then, but Sue Miller, uh, who's married to Jeff Tweedy, Wilco now, she owned the Lounge Jacks. And we had the night the Gulf War, first Gulf War broke out, we opened for Reverend Horton Heat at the Lounge Jacks. Wow. So that was, I think, January 16, 1991, or something like that. But wow. Right in there. Tweedy, that'd be a good producer for you. Oh, yeah. I need to get him my stuff, don't I? Yeah. I met him once at First Avenue, but it was like, it was a golden smog thing, and yeah. he didn't know me from anyone. But yeah, I, lo well, I, I love Wilco. We've got some shared history together. Shared, yeah. First we of all, similar paths. Yes, well, we didn't meet in Minneapolis. Mm. We met in Austin, Texas. In 93, we figured out, or something like that. Was it at South by Southwest? It was, out, it was at the Chicago house. Right. Or outside, I think... I think you were playing at the Chicago House. Okay. And I went down, and I, I knew of you. I knew Jim Anton. Yeah. And so I knew of you. That was, you know, I knew your name, but I hadn't been living here for years. Right. I, it, I was never old enough to go to bars when I lived here until after I moved back later from right. Austin. So, uh, yeah, that's where, that's where we met. But you had, you developed quite a head of steam down in Austin. That was my first real, you know, foray. And in Chicago, I, you know... Put my toe in the water of Lake Michigan, but right. in Austin, I I was pretty fully committed to really going for it. So we had this band Potter's Field in Austin, and we we played a lot. I mean, I was only living there three years, but we played a lot. We even we toured back up here in Chicago a couple times and put out a, a CD, which at that time, as you know, was kind of a big deal. Right, in the early '90s, it was still a big deal to put out a CD. So, uh, but then we broke up. Um, I don't know, do you know Beaver Nelson? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, I I actually worked uh, Beaver at um, uh, at Mayslax. Oh, oh yeah, with uh, Scrappy, Scrappy Jack Judd. Newcomb. Yeah. Well, this is a this is a very long and convoluted story that I won't bore everyone. But with. Beaver's but Beaver's one of the very well respected songwriters exactly, in Austin. Exactly, and uh, he had a he had a record deal at the time with James Cameron, uh, like Titanic. Right. He started a label called Lightstorm and flew. You know, Beaver. Went to, I think, Nashville or Memphis. It was Memphis. Might have, I don't know if it was Arden. Might have been Arden Studios. Wow. It probably was. But um, our bass player in our band sort of, uh, that's why our band sort of broke up is because uh, he ended up playing with Beaver at the time. So Let's uh, kick his ass. Well, Be Beaver we and I have joked about it. So <laughs> I, I think it's... I think it's water under the proverbial bridge. Right. But. So when did you move back up to the Twin Cities to start performing here? Oh, and by the way, I just wanted to add to that. Yeah. Fastball was part of that whole, the okay. band Fastball, they were Beaver's band too. So it's hard to explain it a little bit. Right. If people know Fastball and they're friends of mine, Tony Scalzo and Miles Zuniga, they, they were in the scene at that time too and played right. with Beaver too. So that was kind of interesting. So... So the band broke up in Austin. I stayed there another year, and then at the end of 95, I moved back here. Okay. And I had never really played in the scene here, you know, until then. I'd maybe come up and play at the New Riverside Cafe sure. a couple times. But I finally, you know, I moved back here in November of 95. The Biomagnetic Center of the Universe, as it, they used to call is it. Is that true? Yeah. Well, I, I, they used to call it. I, I, it was a vegetarian restaurant, and there was a lot of things... A lot of vegetable type things being smoked in that basement. Yes, yes, I'm. I'm. So, or, yeah. That's what somebody told me. Yeah, that, that, I'm sure that's that's probably <laughs> true. Do you remember who the Booker was? It's it's somebody. Yes, just, Al. Al, mm -hmm. who passed away. Yes, he did. Yes, Al's name will come to me by the end I, of the show. I know. But you know, he had a phenomenal archive of tapes and did posters, mm -hmm. and he. Um, Donated it. They had a fundraiser, mm -hmm. and they donated his archive to the University of Minnesota. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think I knew about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was kind of obsessive with 
yeah. keeping everything. And Griel Marx's daughter, who mm -hmm. actually married Steve Perry, I can't, her name, um, um, Mrs. Perry, I guess, mm -hmm. is not coming right now, but she was kind of in charge of running some of that archive at the U of M. So that's where Al's yeah. stuff ended up. Yeah, oh, he was wow. a good guy. Yeah, he, he was. used to play a little jug, a little harmonica. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he gave me my first gigs in town. Um, him and John Fenner also gave me. Oh some. yeah, he had strange an open friends. Mic. He had an open mic like at the artist artist quarter. Yeah, uh -huh. for sure. Five corners too, maybe. I yeah. might have gone down. Uh, so those are my first gigs. And then, but when I moved back, then I started playing. I formed the band, the Cultivators. Dan Israel and the Cultivators, and played uh, with the band a lot and and put out albums in the late '90s. And uh, you know, the the lineup for the band changed drastically in '99. The Mill City music. We call it the Mill City Meltdown. Right. Our, our band broke up on stage in a possibly hilarious moment if enough time has passed that where I threw my guitar and. I had a temper tantrum. It was very You're such a very mature. Israel. Yeah, it really it was very mature of me. But uh, and I bet you got that gig through our, our mutual friend, well, the late great Sue McLean. The late great Sue McLean, which we were just talking about how uh, what an impact she had on both of us and <clears throat> and on the music scene in oh, general. I mean, it you can't really it's incalculable. Isn't it, it really is. Um, we she's she's dearly missed. Is well, really you know, when she passed lady. four years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wrote something somewhere, and I said, she's had, if you look at all the shows, she booked hundreds, mm -hmm. if not thousands of shows. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The old Guthrie Theater, the Walker yeah. Arts Center, the Minnesota the Zoo, Zoo yeah. uh, Basilica Block yeah. Party, you yeah. name it, yeah. she's had her hands Big on stuff. it. She, she's provided as much musical satisfaction to Minnesotans as Prince or I, Dylan. I think it's fair. Yeah. I think it's a fair statement. ugly world and still I know there's some rainbow see lies and hate and still believe there's some reprieve walk along the shore you try to be no enemy reached out Just heard a great song by Dan Israel called 
Get You Through It. Off his new record, his 14th album, called You Are Free. If you would like to find out where Dan is playing or where you can purchase his music, go to danisraelmusic.com. That's danisrael, I-S-R-A-E-L, music.com. More with Dan on the Wall of Power Radio Hour after these messages. The two gingers just can't get enough of Paul Metza. He's smooth, yet strong, a great mixer and very refreshing. The two gingers are his biggest fans. They're at practically every bar, club and restaurant in Minnesota to see his shows. And now they've taken to following Paul around the country. Texas, New York, Nebraska. You never know where you may find the two gingers. Just ask the bartender for them. Two gingers whiskey. What could happen? Saturdays at 1 p.m., you have a chance at a fresh start, a new beginning. Hi, everybody. This is Freddie Bell, host of New Beginnings. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, spirituality, and even entertainment. Every day is a chance for a fresh start. Join us Saturdays at 1 p.m. for New Beginnings with Freddie Bell on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club is delighted to offer its spacious facilities for your private function. From weddings, retirement parties, business dinners, or any special occasion, Crooner's combines a dedicated, full-service special events team, an award-winning chef, and a beautiful lakeside ambiance to make your event a resounding success. Visit croonersloungemn.com to learn more about their private dining options, or call 763-571-9020 to get a quote for your next event today. Who's your most trusted companion? Who's with you 24-7? What do you never leave home without? Your phone. But the screen is shattered. Don't panic. Bring it to Computer Revolution with cell phone repair. We have over 18 years experience fixing computer devices, all brands, all carriers. We'll replace that screen and have it back same day. Computer Revolution with cell phone repair in Roseville at Highway 36 in Fairview. Or call 651-633-6600. We fix phones. Same day, seven days a week. Hey, it's Mike McEntee, and I have a show on AM 950 Monday through Friday from 4 to 5 o'clock. It's a free-form hour of news, interviews, and your phone calls. We don't do 10-second sound bites and yelling and screaming about issues. That may make for great entertainment, but it really doesn't help to solve the real problems we face. We try to get the whole story and have an intelligent discussion. We also occasionally have a little fun. Listen in from 4 to 5 o'clock on AM 950 Radio. Hi, Matt McNeil for Rudy Luther Toyota. My first Toyota love was the RAV4 back in 1998. When I was traveling in February, I needed a rental car, and I jumped at the opportunity to drive one again. The RAV4 is fantastic with all the bells and whistles you need, and it has all the modern safety features to keep us safe. Comfort as we vacationed. It fit all five of us and our luggage with ease. I was able to revisit my first love. Now, you can fall in love for yourself by test driving a RAV4 today at Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169. You are back with the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. This show is brought to you in part by the Iron Range Resources and Rehabilitation. One more segment with our guest, the great Mr. Dan Israel. Speaking of Dylan Iron Range, mm-hmm. your mother's from my hometown, Virginia, Minnesota. That's right. That's right. So we're, I'm a second generation semi-ranger, but my right. mom is, yeah. My mom's from Virginia, Minnesota, and she, well, she met Dylan when she was growing up. I don't know if I ever had told you that no, story. No, tell us the story. Well, it just, it, my mom had sort of, you know, as I got more and more into Dylan, I would, I would have to ask her again to tell me the story of how Bob Dylan played guitar for her and her friend in her friend's basement when they were teenagers. Right. And Bob Zimmerman. And, uh, yeah, I think it happened a couple times, actually. And so she, I think it was a friend in Duluth, but I... I have sometimes I have to like make sure I get the story exactly right, right but I know it to be true. And I, my my grandmother was a piano teacher on the range. She was a concert pianist. She was amazing, actually. What was her name? Uh, that was Dorothy Borgen. So she gave lessons. She didn't. Did she marry and become Dorothea Tomes? No, no. Okay, because there was, was another there great a, piano okay. teacher named Dorothea Tomes. Yeah. Oh, no. Who um, used to go out with Eric Severide? 
Oh my gosh. That was her claim oh, to fame, Miss yeah, Combs. Yeah. Yeah, actually. My yeah. sister my, and I took from her. I grew up hearing about Eric Severino. Yeah. <laughs> he was my mom's favorite. <laughs> uh, Your mom got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in a manner of speaking. Um, uh, but uh, so she, she uh, my grandmother was supposed to give Bob piano lessons, actually, hmm. is what I was told. And she did give David Zimmerman lessons. But Bob didn't want to take lessons. And then, as we know, he ended up uh, touting his keyboard skills for, for Bobby V. As, right. As Elston Gunn with three N's. Right. And, um, but only in the key of C. But only in the key of C. Mm -hmm. uh, and if there wasn't a piano that they could move, which there wasn't back right. then, he'd be just do the hand claps. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, and I think uh, Bobby V, we were, you and I were well, I don't know if at the same time, but there was that Dylan Symposium. Yes. Dave Marsh 2007. was here. I think maybe you we and I were. Dave yeah, Marsh's we, uh, we radio were with show. Bobby. Yeah. With Bobby V. Yep. He, mm -hmm. And he looked like a million bucks, didn't he? Oh, he sure he did. He was buff and he, he was sure tan did. and he yeah. couldn't have been sweeter. Oh, what a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that the was, role he played in, in rock history. Yeah. It's, it's monumental. It's hard to, you can't overstate it. Well, the, the last, thing you it. know, the last year he was alive. I think it was in 2014 when Dylan played mm -hmm. Midway Stadium. The, the shout-out? Yeah. Susie Baby? Yeah, mm -hmm. Susie Baby played uh, uh, Bobby V's first hit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember I was there with my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Dylan speaks so rarely yeah. in concert. Yes. And so he was talking to me, and, and I told my girlfriend, mm -hmm. I said, hey, we got to listen, we got to listen. Mm -hmm. And he went in this beautiful soliloquy yeah. about how much... Yeah. He loved Bobby V. It was yeah. so touching. It was very touching. No, moving. was Bobby there? Bobby was he there. Went, so he, okay. I thought he was. I stands to reason. Were you in Duluth when Bob played with Paul Simon and yeah. he said, I grew up in those hills? Yeah. That's another moment like that where, like, I think everyone sort of, oh, he's actually, like, opening up here because he so rarely does. I know? was at a uh, Dylan show courtesy of my good friend, uh, the dearly departed but lovely Larry Keegan, yes, who is a childhood buddy of Dylan's. Mm -hmm. And so when Dylan played the Upper Midwest, Larry always hooked me up with tickets. Mm -hmm. and we went to see him at, I believe it was a gymnasium in Fargo, but it might have been a concert hall. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. There was about four shows during that week, and they all kind mm -hmm. of ran together. But uh, Bob came out, and Bobby V was living up there at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where that's where they hooked up, Elston Gunn and Bobby V. Mm -hmm. And uh, he gave a really nice intro and said, Bobby V is here. He goes, mm -hmm. I really learned a lot from Bobby V. Mm -hmm. And then went into this apocalyptic version of Ballad of a Thin Man. Really? And it was just, it was incredible. Interesting. One of those great Dylan moments. Yeah. What's one of your favorite Dylan moments seeing him in concert? Uh, well, first, I, before I tell you that, I just was going to, did you meet him then? Huh? Did you meet no, him? No, I met him uh -huh. in 1982 at the Artist Quarter. Okay. Oh, he was just in the audience? Yeah, so, for okay. a Hubert Sumlin show. Okay, okay. Because uh, I was, I we just had Willie Nelson's 85th birthday, right? Right. Well, and I don't want this is a long story. I've but the taping of Willie's 60th birthday party, wow. and Bob was there, and so was everybody else on the planet. Right. And uh, that I, I tried to hand him my demo tape that night, and like he sort of had a bodyguard guy who took it out of Bob. Bob said thanks. He said, I distinctly heard him say thanks. Right. But then the guy took it out of Bob's hand and handed it back to me as if it was some kind of, you know, right. weapon or something. But Well, I remember, I think it was Carla Bly, the jazz pianist. Because, you know, we've all done it. We've mm -hmm. all given our... Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, David Carr used to, when, when we'd get backstage together, if I had a record out and mm -hmm. whoever we were going to see, mm -hmm. David Carr used to ref, uh, refer to it as me sliming people. Right. I, that's <laughs> which, kind of, which is kind of how you that's feel. Still, you that's know. pretty much how it feels, <laughs> yes, to be on that end of it. But yeah. Carla Bly used to say, now this was back in the mm -hmm. days when people would give you your demo cassette tapes. Oh, sure, yeah. And she goes, no, I don't mind it. She goes, but just make mm -hmm. sure you don't take the tabs out. So she could, of course, use, use the it. tape. <laughs> use the tape. That's funny. That's funny. Well, there was that great version of Poncho and Lefty. Yeah, that's with, uh, mm -hmm. with with Willie and Bob. Yep, yep. And you could people can go watch. I mean, I just watched it a couple weeks ago because I just st still seems surreal to me that I was there that night right. for that thing. So once in a while, I go watch a clip from it. At, wow, that was you know, I got to meet Ben Montench and right. Kenny Aronoff and. Don was and Willie Nelson. Right. Yeah. Living on the road 
listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This show is produced by Paul Metza, engineered by Paul Sowie, originally recorded by Andy Watson and Kevin Chilko at Studio 6 in Northeast Minneapolis. The show is brought to you in part by Iron Range Resources and Rehabilitation. Come out and see me play sometime every Tuesday night at Miller's Bar and Grill on 40th Avenue and 7th Street in Columbia Heights, 5 to 7 p.m. Wednesday nights, we're over in St. Paul with Paul Metza and Sonny Earl below the public bar and kitchen at 229 East 6th Street from 8.30 to 11 in a beautiful little place called the Green Lantern. And next Thursday, Willie Walker and I will be celebrating our 7th anniversary of Thursday nights at Shaw's Bar in Minneapolis from 5 to 7.30 with special guests. Shaw's Bar is at the corner of 16th and University Avenue Northeast. And we'd like to thank our guest, Dan Israel. Find more info on Mr. Israel at danisraelmusic.com. Hope you're enjoying this great spring weather like I am. And like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy. 